I, I think that what I'm so grateful about this pandemic is that I think it caused everyone to, to stop the facade, to stop like the distraction, to stop the bullshit and be like, wait, we're not okay. And we should like really address that and stop um, distracting ourselves. And I think that this is the first year where not only are people willing to seek therapy, but we're willing to talk about our feelings. Yeah. I haven't spoken about my feelings so much at work ever. And yeah. I kind of love it. I kind of love it because this idea of you can't bring, you got to keep that shit at the door. And you know, when you get to work, you got to put on your game face. Yes, to a certain degree, absolutely. You got to, you know, you got to lock that shit up and, and get ready for this meeting. Yes. But I, I love that now we're holding space for just check-ins, for seeing how people are, for recognizing that we're not machines and that like, you are always gonna bring that shit with you. Even if you say, no, we're leaving it at the door. Impossible. That was a clip from today's episode. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. Before we get into the full episode, just wanna give a big shout out to you all for listening. Just wanna say thank you and Welcome to the King Dueres podcast brought to you by Plural. Today on King Dueres, we have a special guest, Sasha Paulino, who is a friend, not only that, but actually also works at Facebook, also is a native New Yorker, and is also a Dominican. You know what I mean? Come to think of it, eh, we might be related. I don't know. You never know. You never know these days. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to get into a whole bunch of things. And Sasha's going to take us through a journey of what she believes is her authenticity. We're going to talk through um, how she's dealt with authenticity growing up in New York and then starting to work. And in particular, starting to work as a first grade teacher in the South Bronx and then transitioning to corporate America, where she has gone from McGraw Hill to BuzzFeed to where she's currently at Facebook. Very excited to share this with you all. Let's get into the episode. Let's get started with authenticity, right? You hear all the time, uh, even at work, people tell you to be your authentic self. Growing up, you probably heard, just be yourself, girl, don't worry about it. Like, what does that mean to you when you hear people tell you to be your authentic self? Uh, I don't even know where to start, Pabell, because I, I've been thinking about this conversation and... I think I suffer from like, you know, there's multiple personality disorder. I feel like I have like multiple culture disorder. So there are so many different like experiences and identities that I can pull from. It depends on who I'm with. Um, I think that you get more of my Dominican side when I'm with, you know, my people, when I'm with Pabell, when I'm with other Dominicans, you get more of, I think the Bronx girl when I'm with my my Bronxites and, and when I'm back home, when I'm in the Bronx, which I actually just moved back up here um, after a long hiatus away. Um, and I, I also think it's like the age range of the people that you're around. I am on a team where mostly it's, it's older folks. I have some peers um, among us, but for the most part, I, um, I want to say I'm one of the youngest people, but like I'm 32 now. So I'm really like not one of the youngest people anymore. Uh, there is one person on my team that's younger than me, but um, Authentic self has always been a, a tricky one for me because I think I've I've also gotten the um, you sound really white. Where are you really from? You don't sound like a New Yorker. Um, and and then I have to kind of rebut that with like I don't know, man. Like this is literally just who I am, and like <laughs> I'm not prepared to really answer that question other than like it depends. It depends on the setting. It depends on the people. It depends on my mood. Um, 
you know, if, if I'm going through something, um, I actually think that sometimes we kind of, we conflate our authentic self with like really our trauma and it, that might not be who we are. So I think your authentic self is really, it requires therapy. It requires um, working on those things that maybe you think that's who you are, but really it's just um, something that you need to learn from and, and kind of evolve from. Um, I think that we fall into thinking that we are um, versions of who we are. And really that's just like our lower vibrating self and we want to go higher. Um, and so it's, it's a very complicated question and I don't think I answered it. <laughs> no, no, you did answer it. I mean, you said so much that I'd love to dive into. I mean, what do you, talk to me a little bit about. And if I'm talking too much, just cut me off. Never talking too much. <laughs> never talking too much. Nah, I mean, we, we got like a whole hour, so I want to, I want to get into it. Um, talk to me about like you saying like a lot of times we are parts of ourselves that we feel like we need to be because of our trauma. Like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Um, what I mean by that is like, I think we fall into the trap of this is who I am. Um, and, and really that's not who you are. I think that that's what life has conditioned you to become. Um, but that really who you are, the essence of who you are might be buried by, um, experiences that kind of leave that that residue on you that make you um second guess yourself that make you question yourself that make you um not as confident as you should be in that authenticity um i was thinking about a conversation that i had with my roommate her brother uh who i saw as a baby grow up didn't really see him the last 10 years of his life but he grew up to be this like really well-meaning. He's an EMT. He's, he's super smart, but he's a fuck boy. Um, he has a wild streak. And I said to her, you know, I saw that in his personality when he was like one, I saw that he, like, he, he was like a little bit of a wild child. And a she one? said, yeah, you, you can tell. And this is, and this is what my roommate said to me. You can tell a person's essence really early on. Like you never lose that essence of who you are. And so he was my roommate like, and I, yeah, you, people started carrying him and then he just started grabbing titties. Like what, what, what did he do? At he had a crush on me. Uh, he loved women. So even as like a little <laughs> toddler, he loved women. He's also Dominican. You know, I was oh, Dominican God. Women. So, oh, God. so he had a little crush on me. He used to follow me around. And so him growing up to be like this, like kind of a romantic, um, but also just kind of um, a firecracker of a personality. I saw that when he was a kid. And so, you know, for her to say, well, you never really lose your essence as a person. I thought that was very interesting because if I think of my essence, I think my essence is that I'm, I'm goofy. I like to laugh. I like to make other people laugh. Um, but looking at who I am now, I think that you don't always get that version of me anymore. Um, and that you get it less so at work. I feel like you don't see that goofy until you really get to know me on a personal level. My colleagues don't really see that version of me. You definitely have. Um, but it really doesn't show up in those formal settings. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't really know what to make of that. I think um, part of it is maybe I don't see being goofy as professional. Um, um, and I think that th there is a time and place for everything. But I have noticed I've been at Facebook for three years and I think that kind of um, reserved approach that I had before, I don't necessarily have it now. Um, and I do kind of feel myself reaching the level of fuck it. This is, this is just who I am. This is how I'm going to be. Um, 
And so I think you're starting to see a little bit more of that creep up. And, and I think it just goes to show it's all about level of comfortability, at least for me. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. It's so interesting too. Um, I mean, like authenticity comes in so many different forms and, and it's interesting too, because most people think about it from um, like what they see, right? As far as like how they dress up or how they do their hair or their makeup, et cetera. But it's so interesting that your mind went to automatically like, no, my authenticity is also my personality, how I act as well. Um, and, and you mentioned being goofy um, and you like not being comfortable showing that side of yourself in, in a work setting because it may not be professional. I'm wondering like, has, have you always been comfortable being, being goofy or was at some point where people telling you like, Muchacha, no haga eso, um, you know, en la calle, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Was that always encouraged or like, did you get some of that feedback before early on? Or was it when you got to corporate America where you were like, ooh, I should probably like not be this way? I think I learned early on that I needed to adapt to the setting. So I think given that I grew up in the Bronx, I went to elementary school in Washington Heights. I went to high school in Lower Manhattan and Lincoln Center. I went to college in, in Riverdale. So all of these different places have like a different flavor. And I think, as I said, I learned early on that like depending on where I am, I need to kind of uh, be a chameleon. And so even growing up, I found like I didn't have a set group that I was with. I would usually kind of um, filter in and out of different social circles. And I felt myself um, not necessarily like faking it because I did have those aspects within me, but surfacing that. So surfacing the Dominican when I'm around Dominicans, surfacing the artist, you know, like emo kid <laughs> when I'm around other artists, emo kids. Um, I think it's all in my wheelhouse, just like professionalism. Um, you know, that's also in my wheelhouse. Um, but I feel like having, I don't think it's possible for me to show all of those things at once. Um, <laughs> like, I think it would seem kind of crazy if I like showed all of those things at once. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that I, I gauge the situation. I walk into every situation, like how much can I really show you? That's so interesting. I mean, it makes sense though, right? Cause like you're going into a certain situation and a lot of us, the goal is to just be accepted. Right. I mean, even from like a biological standpoint, like we're made to be part of groups. Right. I'm so curious if you're like with your artist emo kids and then you're like, yo, I'm going to go, I'm going to go dance tonight. And they're like, girl, what? <laughs> like, I, I wonder, I wonder like what would be like that situation and why you don't think they, they can like coexist. The, the acceptance thing has been a huge issue for me. And I think the fact that like I have found myself floating in different social circles speaks to that because I want to be friends with everyone and um, I, I want to get along with everyone. Um, I'm sorry. Your original question was. Um, no, it was just, it wasn't even a question. It was just like a thought, like, you, you know, like what would happen if you were to actually like not come out, but in a sense, <laughs> like, cause, cause the, the way that I'm hearing it is like, yeah, like you're a chameleon, but at the same time, you're kind of, not showing each of these groups who you really are like you're showing like one side of yourself to each of these groups in a way you know what i mean like what would happen if you went into your like artist emo friends and you told them that you were going to go out dancing i pulled out the wrong person hold on yeah. <laughs> yeah. i've i've never done that i mean that's very interesting like what if what if i walked into uh uh my team meeting with like with my Dominican game face on, they might be really startled by that. I don't think they're they're prepared for that. So. 
Wait, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever done that? Or is it, are you so trained at this point? On on like on, on a work call? No. (laughs) Well, not even, even on a work call, but I'm saying like, like you said, like, oh shit, I brought in the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) Or are you so trained at this point where you're just like, I got it. I know that like, I know when to bring this person out, when to bring this person out. I've been doing this since elementary school. So when I, when I went to elementary school, school, I mentioned, yeah. So I went to school in Washington Heights, but I grew up in the Bronx. So I wasn't like my peers who went to school and lived in the Heights. And um, they were like what I would describe as like quintessential Dominicans, some fresh off the boat, like still very uh, connected to the homeland and to that culture. Um, And you would think that I would be too, because I am first generation. My mom was born in DR. I was born here, but she put a precedent on uh, making sure that I assimilated, making sure that I spoke English, that I did well at school. Um, I, you know, Spanish was my first language, but I forgot it pretty immediately once I started school. Um, And my mom would do that, you know, trying to talk in Spanish at home, but she was never strict about that kind of stuff. Not, Not the way that I've seen in other Dominican households. Um, and I will say, I feel like that did put me at a little bit of a disadvantage. It, it was an advantage in other ways, but a disadvantage in that I felt a disconnect from my peers in elementary school. And they they wouldn't so much as make fun of me. Um, I never had that kind of relationship. I, I got along very well with other kids at school, but they would always be like, you say that funny. Like, you say you say chancla instead of chancleta or you know, oh, you, sound, God, yeah. you sound more Puerto Rican to me or you look Puerto Rican. I don't know. Um, and that never really bothered me, but I was like, mm, no, I mean, I say it this way, I guess, because I, I live in the Bronx and I do live around Puerto Ricans. Um, where I live, there weren't many other Dominicans. There was one other Dominican family. So it was um, primarily Puerto Rican or Italian, um, Black or Indian. So I, I had a bit of a melting pot where I was, um, but I didn't have like a little Dominican Republic like my peers had living in the Heights. So um, I saw that stark difference there. And it kind of just evolved from that. So like when I went to high school, I didn't go to a high school, um, you know, in the Bronx or in the Heights. I went downtown. I was really around mostly white students. Um, Although, again, it was a melting pot, as New York is. But I think that that even that led me further down the path of you're very um, white sounding or you're very... um, you know, you've assimilated to the point where are you really Dominican? Have you have you forgotten um, about your background? And are you ashamed? Um, and I can say, no, I'm not. I am so proud to be Dominican, even though I don't have um, a lot of the cultural context that maybe my peers do. Um, but I still feel it so fervently um, that you can't tell me <laughs> anything different. Um, even if I don't, you know, know the latest merengue or even if my Spanish is kind of terrible, to be honest with you, I still feel very <laughs> it's okay. I'm not going to let other people make me feel otherwise. But um, I think in that lifetime of adjusting, depending on the audience, that's just kind of how I handle myself. Um, and so that means that I'm turning off certain valves as I'm turning on other ones. And I think after a while, after enough years, um, then more of those valves start to get turned on at the same time. Yeah, that's so that's such an interesting insight you mentioned as well around like the first time when you started bringing out all of these personalities or even people was in elementary school. Like that's so young mm-hmm. for us to start just like faking Sorry, it. And it's crazy. Are trying to put you in boxes. And it's crazy too, because in that in that scenario, you know, 
I say this all the time, but like work is, is a, such an easy situation to point to and say like, look, I'm not being myself because we're not, we're surrounded by people that don't look like us. But if you think about it, like you said, like that shit started way back in the day, even in our own communities, like mm-hmm. even in our own communities, we're trying to be like, no, 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 I am like whatever box that is. Yo, and I definitely feel you on the Spanish. Like my Spanish is, is good. Like it was my first language as well. Shout out to Abuela for teaching me. But yo, whenever I go to my barber, I don't know what the fuck he's saying. At You're all. <laughs> Yo, at all. But I'll tell you one thing, though, he puts me on to all the new music. My Shazam be on that shit the whole time. Siri, um, what is the song? <laughs> facts. But nah, I mean, that that's really interesting. And what about um like you said when you went to, to high school, that was the first time where like were you were you considered like a minority in that high school? As far as like you said that it was a lot more of a melting pot compared to like your earlier years? Mm-hmm. It seemed, when I think back to it, it seemed super diverse. I, I'm sure that there were predominantly white people, um, but maybe it's because of like the crowds that I was running in that I got exposure to all of the other kinds of people that were there. But um, it, it was really like even more so than living in the Bronx, because I think you had um, a lot of different minorities. Um, but then at, I went to LaGuardia um, High School of the Arts and Performing Arts. And so you're bringing students from every borough. I think that's what's so cool about that high school. Usually your high schools are zoned. So you are going to a school that's nearby um, where all of the other students that live nearby are going versus this school, um, you can be from any borough and, and, and attend that school. So not only are you getting different um, ethnicities, but you're getting different boroughs, which also have their own kind of feel and vibe to them. Um, so that exposure was incredible. And I think that it got me less feeling of like, I'm a Dominican. And that's really when I was like, I'm a New Yorker. Mm. And that's, and that's when uh, New York pride really stepped to the forefront of like my identity and, and what I really like see myself as I'm definitely Dominican, but I think at the end of the day, I'm a New Yorker. Okay. I fuck with that. I like that. <laughs> I mean, I am, I am as well. I mean, there I've gone through phases with my Dominicanness, but, um, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I also feel very Dominican, but if I'm around certain groups, they're like, man, you ain't Dominican, you ain't real, because, like, you wasn't born there, et cetera. So that's really interesting, um, and I could definitely relate. Uh, talk to me about, you know, fast forward to, to where you are now. I know we skipped a few things, but um, corporate America, right? And this is, I'd say it's not a melting pot, where in your first you know, earlier years, I think it was a bit of melting pot, even in high school, where it's like all these different boroughs and, and cultures, et cetera. What is it like with all these personalities in corporate America? Like, which one do you bring out? Is there like a specific one they use when you want to work? I think the the specific personality that you see the most at work is probably like, I think that's the essence that I was talking about earlier. And that um, I feel like my essence is always... Um, I think I start from, I I at least like to think that I start from a place of kindness, that I start from a place of care and wanting people to feel safe around me. Um, and not only feel safe, but supported. And I think it makes so much sense that I became an administrative, I'm sorry, an executive assistant. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I started off as an administrative assistant. Um, but I come from a place of knowing what it feels like to not feel safe, to not feel cared for, um, to not feel comfortable. And I never want anyone to feel that way around me. So that's kind of, 
I'm sorry. Talk, yeah, go ahead. Talk, talk to me about that. Like what instances are you referring to when you didn't feel safe or supported? I think, you know, just people can be cruel. Like life, life is a journey. And I also think that people can be cruel without meaning to. Um, and that, you know, your words hold a lot of weight. And I think that sometimes when you say things off the cuff, you don't realize that that could stick with the person for five, 10 years, their whole life even. So um, I think there are things that just in conversations with people really about identity, about um, mistakes that I have made along the way. Um, I think, you know, when, when people say things to you that really stick with you and maybe um, cause you to fixate on that um, can be difficult. So um, I know that in my older, um, my older life, <laughs> Me as a as a grown up, like I've really struggled with um, feelings of depression, um, feelings of you know wondering like was this the right path? A a am I am I kind of um, satisfying like why I was put on this earth? And I used to be a teacher. That was my first job um, in into the into the adult world, and um, that was really hard. I did that for four years, and. My school eventually uh, got shut down. I worked at a Catholic school. A lot of Catholic schools got closed that year. And I will say I, I was in the poorest district in the South Bronx. Um, and it really scarred me. I, I had a principal who was um, a nun, um, woman of God, but uh, you, you know, that stereotypical kind of like mean spirited, maybe even a little bit racist Irish Catholic. Oh, I went to uh, Catholic schools my entire life. Yeah, I know what you're talking so, about. So you know the archetype. And so I, I had to work for someone like that for four years. And um, after that was over and I found an entry-level position as an administrative assistant, I thought, well, this, this is a good time to just like rest for a second and decide what the next step is. Um, because teaching is like the hardest thing that you could do. And so I just wanted a break. As I moved to different companies and the roles kind of got more complex, I realized like, no, this is, this is actually something that I can like build out and really like um, make my own and make it meaningful, even if it didn't felt, feel that way initially. Um, it really did feel like just pushing papers initially, which I struggled with a lot because I was doing something so important previously. So that's why, you know, now at Facebook, I don't just do my day job. I do passion projects. I do things that matter to me. I do things that move the needle on diversity and inclusion. Um, I do things that like, that I think will make a difference. Cause I think I also went into the job market wanting to make a difference. That's why I became a teacher. Um, so losing that and having to pivot kicked off depression for me. And so um, I would say getting to Facebook is where I really realized like, you don't need to be depressed. Your life, you, like it took a turn, you're on a different page and you're gonna make it work for yourself. Um, and I know that, that I've taken you very far away from like, what we were initially talking about, but I thought it was important to like give you that background of how I kind of ended up where I am now. No, this is super important. And it's something that like we don't talk about in our community as well. Um, I, I mean, I, 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 I get depressed here and there. I think the biggest thing for me is I'm like, I have suffered from anxiety and it's like, I mean, I think it's bad, but you know, um, and I go to therapy, I mean, every week, just to just to talk about it and it honestly like saved my life but it's funny like when i told like certain family members like i started going to therapy it was like you good 
and like all of those type of things like uh they were just like very worried and you know there's such a stigma around that but like did you experience that as well i think the reason that i brought that up because i was like why did i bring this up the reason that i brought that up was going back to the those little things that people say right that stick with you over the years and i think even as early as things that were said to me in my family things that were said to me by, by peers in elementary school things that were said to me when i first became an admin you know, what, it, it, going back to the family thing, the things that were said to me were related to like, oh, you sure you want that second plate of food? I was kind of a chubby kid. Um, so having to undo the work of, of um, my relationship with food, because as, as a Dominican, like you load up that plate, you have a better rice, you have like all this, you know, protein, chicken, whatever. And um, I had a really unhealthy relationship with food. So um, just the little things that family members say to kind of police that, or as yeah. I said to you in elementary school, like having kids question the way I talked or, um, yeah. really not the way I dressed cause we had uniforms, but having kids question the way I talked and, and having to work through, um, the issues that arose because of that. Um, and then becoming an administrative assistant, having people say, well, you know, what's next? Like you can do better than this. And, um, you know, really kind of looking at it as very, kind of beneath me, um, mm -hmm. which was tough. And um, so that's kind of why I think all of those little things and, and having that culminate on your spirit is why I think that therapy is so important. And I'll be the first to say that I was vehemently against therapy. I never wanted to do it. I was like, what, what is another person going to tell me? Like, you're just another person. It's the same reason that I am not like, I don't fangirl over people. I think celebrities, again, just another person, you know, <laughs> there's no reason to like idolize and exalt them. Um, although there are people that, you know, that, that I think that we should, um, that we should kind of recognize and venerate, but. Um, Romeo, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a little bad buddy, you know, yes, I, yes, I, I, ran, I ran after his bus, you know, but did you really? No, no. <laughs> I was tempted. Um, but yeah, I, I think that what I'm so grateful about this pandemic is that I think it caused everyone to, to stop the facade, to stop like the distraction, to stop the bullshit and be like, wait, we're not okay. And we should like really address that and stop um, distracting ourselves. And I think that this is the first year where not only are people willing to seek therapy, but we're willing to talk about our feelings. Yeah. I haven't spoken about my feelings so much at work ever. And yeah. I kind of love it. I kind of love it because this idea of you can't bring, you got to keep that shit at the door. And you know, when you get to work, you got to put on your game face. Yes. To a certain degree. Absolutely. You got to, you know, you got to lock that shit up and, and get ready for this meeting. Yes. But I, I love that now we're holding space for just check-ins for seeing how people are for recognizing that we're not machines and that like, you are always going to bring that shit with you. Even if you say, no, we're leaving it at the door. Impossible. Impossible. I so, mm -hmm. completely agree. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, during COVID for me, you know, my manager would ask him how I'm doing and I would lie so often. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause again, it's your manager. You don't want them to, at the end of the day, your manager is supposed to grade your performance, right? And at the end of the day, like I need to deliver a certain amount of revenue or reports or whatever it is, right? Um, 
And I felt so strange saying that I'm mentally exhausted. I am not doing well for like a bunch of different reasons. But yo, as soon as I told her that, she was like, yeah, I know. I could tell. Like, that's why I've been asking you so many damn times. You know what I mean? Um, But it just opened up such a great conversation around like, okay, we recognize it. Like, how can we get you to a place where you are your best self? And, yo, during COVID was the first time I've ever took a mental health day. I was like, what the fuck is a mental health day? And it's something that's available to all employees. But I feel like, again, I don't know the numbers, but I would guess that people of color don't take them as often. Um, when, I took my, my, when I took my days off and I extended it into, into a few PTO days, I, I told some friends of color that work at Facebook and they were like, what? That's a benefit? So it's so important. Yeah. And, and being that vulnerable and being open, um, it's helpful for you, but it's also helpful for other people that, that learn from you that, you know, it's okay to be like that. And there is a way to get better. Mm-hmm. Just having a dialogue about it, just talking about it. Um, yeah. I think hearing other people talk about therapy uh, this year is what really got me thinking like, okay, there, you really have nothing to lose. And we do have that great mental health benefit. I actually got my therapist through Lyra. Shout out to, um, yo. Shout out to Lyra. <laughs> I met with her yesterday and I, I actually tried this last year, but um, I didn't get the search result that I wanted. I really wanted a woman of color and mm. um, I, I got uh, mostly older white men and women. And so that was a little bit discouraging and I, I didn't go, um, I didn't follow through with that. But then I tried again this year and I found this amazing woman. I've been seeing her for about five months at this point, basically as soon as like quarantine kicked off, I was in a studio apartment. I think you remember I moved right next to the office and I was thinking, well, I'm just, you know, I'm going to be exploring Gramercy and I'm just going to sleep here. Same thing, same thing with Harlem. And then quarantine hit. And then I was stuck in this little like solitary confinement prison. And I knew like I was going to lose my shit if I didn't speak to somebody. Talk talk to me about, the search for a therapist of color and why that was important for you? So um, I think that I knew instinctively that that's what I needed and I couldn't really verbalize like, you know, why I really wanted to speak to someone that looks like me. I think I inherently knew why that was important. But now in talking to her and having this person who is my therapist, who is a woman of color, um, now I understand why I held out for that. And um, to walk you through the process with Lyra, you answer a questionnaire and then they give you a list of about, I think it was like five to 10 people to choose from. Um, And so last year I didn't love the list. And now I could have gone a little bit further. So they actually have a hotline where if you don't like the results you get, they can help you uh, find someone else. But I think like I was only just a little bit ready to do it. I wasn't fully bought in yet. And it probably was better that I didn't do it until I really like submitted myself to the process. So um, this year I answered that questionnaire again. Last year there was a a piece of what is the most pressing issue for you? And it gave like issues with relationships, depression, anxiety, so on and so forth. And so last year I picked depression. This year I picked anxiety. Um, And it gave me a different set of people. Um, And I saw this woman who appeared to be a woman of color. And so in our first couple of sessions, I thought like, oh my God, I can like, I can make references and she knows what I'm talking about. 
Um, whereas like, I don't think I would have gotten that with a white therapist. So talking about like, uh, what's that TV show, um, with, uh, oh my goodness. I love this TV show and I'm blanking. It's on HBO with, um, Insecure. Yeah. Thank you. You're like, you know, yes. So <laughs> I, I was, I was referencing Insecure and she knew exactly what I was talking about. She had seen the episode too. She was watching it. So I think there's a, there's, um, you know, there's a certain level of being able to like identify with who you're talking to and them knowing where you're coming from, like not just reading about it, not just studying up on it, but like having lived it. And so that's why I think it's important that you're no, that, like you. That totally makes sense. I mean, how do you think that translate into like an environment like work? Because you do so much at work, even beyond your jobs, particularly in the ERG space. And yo, I can't tell you, I mean, you probably go through this too, right? Like you're, you know, you're at work pre-COVID, you're walking down the hallway and like, and like, let's say I see you in the hallway and like, we don't know each other. I'm like, oh my God, there's another one of us. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that just excitement to be like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Eventually I'm going to talk to her and we're going to be best friends. And like, we're going to relate to each other on so many different levels, but you do a lot of that community building. And I'm so grateful for that because I remember my first year at Facebook, I was having a really difficult time because I didn't see people that looked like me and I didn't see, I didn't, I felt like I was alone in what I was going through and uh, just feeling misunderstood, et cetera. But it wasn't for those employee, if it wasn't for those employee resource groups, like black at and Latin at where I could have a safe space to talk to people and like feel heard, feel related. Um, like, I don't think I would have made it. So like, yeah, talk to me a little bit about, about some of that work that you do. Thank you. You definitely would have made it. Um, I don't know. It just, it's, it's something that brings me joy. Like I think that being an executive executive assistant, um, I'm going to be real with you. It can be a little mindless. It's not rocket science. It's very detail oriented, but it's, it's a lot of clicking and like, and, and you probably have a, uh, aspects of your job that are like that too, where it's, Everybody's you're, job kind of, you're on autopilot like- and you're just like banging stuff out, but it doesn't really like, um, it doesn't speak to that like passion that's inside of you. And so, um, I know that like employee resource groups to the point that you just brought up are important just to like bring people into the fold and make sure that the talented people of color that we're hiring feel comfortable and that they stay. Um, I know that it's important in that aspect, but um, selfishly it is so that I can meet you guys. It is so that I can like figure out who's <laughs> who and, and it puts me right at the center of that. And um, also being an admin, you know, a lot of us are minorities. Um, there are, there actually, there are a good, uh, there's a good chunk of white women as well. But I found in the New York office that most of my colleagues were also women of color. Whereas I feel like maybe for someone like you, you might end up on a team that's 100% white, right? Um, and my immediate teams, I support three directors. Those teams, um, two of them are pretty diverse. One of them is pretty homogenous. The main team that I support is pretty homogenous. Um, mostly white women. I love them all though. They're, they're so, I mean, they do the homework and they are allies. So I'm lucky in that sense. But in terms of the admin community in New York, um, I found the Latinas and the black girls and the Asian girls really quickly. And so we, we would sit upstairs on, um, 19, right? I'm like, which floor? (laughs) Yeah. 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 That, uh, (laughs) healthy floor. 
the healthy floor. We would sit up there and, and get some sunlight and bitch and, um, and bitch. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness, those bitch sessions. Like I left those lunches feeling like I was ready to complete the afternoon. Um, <laughs> and it's very, very um, cathartic to have those conversations. Um, but yes, I, I do it for you guys, but I also do it for myself. And um, the way that I got involved was through um, uh, Latin at Summit. So my first week at the company, about a week later, there was going to be a summit. And I didn't think my bosses were going to let me go back to MPK. I had just come from orientation. And I was like, you know, this, this thing is happening. I'm like, I would really love to do it. And I'll make sure I work at night and I'll, I'll complete everything I need to do. I'll put in extra hours. But if I could please attend. And there was no pushback whatsoever. And so they let me go. And it was just a phenomenal way to like start your employment at Facebook. Um, and so I got back to New York, like I need to be a part of this. I want to be part of the leadership team and I want to see what I can do um, on Latin at. And so I've been doing it for three years now. Um, I will tell you, I am stepping down. I'm focusing on building a Latin circle. So um, getting a little bit more um, nuanced in who I'm supporting. Um, and I think that that really, that, that's, that community is, is important to me. And, and that's kind of where I'm pivoting to. That's, that's beautiful. I mean, thank you so much for that work. Um, and, and can you talk a little bit about that event? Like when you walked into it and you looked around, I mean, all right, for me, for example, like when I went Latin, well, my first year Latin at was Latin at community summit. Wasn't a thing. Only black at community summit was a thing. So I just remember walking to black at though. And I looked around, I was like, there's people dancing on stage. I'm like, these motherfuckers got rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this shit different. Yo, I was like, yo, this shit is dope. But automatically I was like, well, like, cause I got the personalities too, right? I got my professional, you know, professional dude. I got the other shit. Um, but that was the first time for me where I was like, wow, I can be myself. Um, and I felt really comfortable and safe. And same thing when I went to Latin that community summit, I just felt like, oh shit, like I could, I could be myself. You know what I mean? Um, what was that feeling like for you? So much pride. I mean, you walk in there and you realize like, these are the best and brightest and they made it to Facebook and everyone, I'm sure they have a very different journey about how they got there. But ultimately it's, it's a story of triumph, I think for all of us. Um, and it's, I don't know, like it, you can't walk into that setting and not just be like happy, smiling from ear to ear. Um, and, and you, you connect with people that literally you've known for like a second and you're like, no, you're like, you're my best friend now. Like I saw a girl <laughs> wearing the same shirt as me. I had on my Latina shirt. Um, cause yeah. I really love my graphic, um, gear, as you can tell, I had on my Latina shirt and I saw someone wearing the same exact shirt. I'm going to send you this picture afterwards, but we saw each other. We're like, <laughs> and it's like, you've known each other your whole life. Yes. And, and now, I mean, who knows if we're ever going to have another in-person summit, but ever since then, every time we see each other and she's over on the West coast, so I only ever see her then. And sometimes we'll ping and stuff, but you know, now I have friends on the West coast that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, but you feel the power, you feel like the intelligence just beaming in the room. Um, and then also like the special guests are pretty cool too. Um, who did we have that year? Um, Oh my goodness. Amara La Negra, was it? No. Uh, it the year it? prior to that, she um, was the president of Univision, I believe. Oh, uh, Nelly, Nelly Galan? Yes, thank you. Nelly Galan, yeah. I still have her book, Firebook. Me too. Yep. I got it signed and everything. <laughs> she was dropping some 
gem. She was like, ladies buy how what is it ladies buy buildings not shoes i was like okay yes yes <laughs> buy, buy property not louis batons yeah. um and Goals. her story like you remember that she also yeah. went to a catholic school just like me you yeah, know she yeah. went to a catholic school and and she defied um you know i guess she wrote an article or something i forget what what the exact piece it, it is that she wrote but catholic school there are you know there are rules and you got to follow them. And she dared not to do that, which as a Catholic, but then also as like a Latino, you're not supposed to, you have to follow your elders. And when you're at school, you need to like follow those rules to a T and she didn't do that. And not only did she not do that, she moved away from home uh, versus staying around, you know, for college, she moved far away and she, I, I don't know. I mean, she's really a story of, I think being an independent woman and not really, um, falling into that subservient kind of like trap that awaits some of us yeah no nah, it's it's a really dope story if you haven't read the book i definitely recommend it um and i know we're running out of time so i have two questions the first one i'm not really sure how to phrase <laughs> it's like um what do you th- what do you think about a close friends group on close friends groups on instagram i'm so glad you asked me this and i know Yo, why I've- you asked me this <laughs> <laughs> so some people know this um most don't you know this because you're one of my special close followers who is also a colleague so for everyone watching and listening out there i um told cabell that i use close friends to really post um my more not safe for work content um i'm a wild child in some respects as I told you earlier, that doesn't always come out. It depends on who I'm with. It depends on the setting. But um, that essence of, of being that lighthearted, humorous, um, you know, kind of just speaking from the heart and maybe not like filtering myself person, like she is in there. And I know that that, as I said, it's not safe for work. Um, and I don't think it's something that all of my colleagues will understand. I think that um, you are someone that I trust. And so my close friends is everyone except for my coworkers. Um, so if you see that feed, if you see the little green circle popping up, I'm twerking at a bar. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm rapping some vulgar shit. I'm, you know, just being a goofball, just being super silly, um, being sexy. Those are things that like, I don't really feel comfortable with my boss seeing. And we all follow each other on Instagram and Facebook. That's just kind of the culture of where we work. And I think if we worked at a different place, I wouldn't have to like do this kind of thing. But if I get a friend's request, I'm not gonna deny it from like a coworker. I'm not gonna deny it. I'm gonna add you, but I'm gonna put guardrails in place so that I don't then need to censor my content because I don't want anyone coming to me on Monday like, hey, looks like you had a interesting Saturday. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, the things that I want everyone to see that I, that if there's a message that I want even my coworkers to see, that's going to get posted on my regular stories. And then my close friends, like that's, that's a glimpse into like who Sasha really is. It's so interesting too, because like, I'm, you know, obviously like we're all part of close friends groups for a lot of people. Right. Um, and there's some times where like people post things on close friends groups. I'm like, that's not even a bad picture. Like, right. you know, but <laughs> it's, it's always so interesting what people like decide what to show and not show certain people. Um, and that, yeah, that's really interesting. And it, but 
is is it more so because you don't you just don't want to explain it to people like oh my god what's what, what was that wop dance that you were doing <laughs> i do feel like certain people wouldn't get it and no i don't want to explain it and i don't want I to get be it. judged I but get it. you know then maybe i'm not being my authentic self about because like i feel like being your authentic self is like not caring about those opinions or allowing those standards to kind of alter the way that you show up in the world. Um, and so maybe, maybe like the next step into getting closer to my authentic self is getting rid of close friends and just like, you know, living my truth. Um, I'll have to think about that. Hey, but, I'm not trying um, to, I'm not trying to encourage you to you know, <laughs> DM your boss, a, a, a tip drill video or anything, but, um, <laughs> but not, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not here to like, tell people to do certain things. I just want to have a conversation and, no, and um, just like talk through it. But no, it, it's so interesting. And it's not, it's not just you. Like I follow other people that like, um, for example, like they, like I, like I have one friend that um, in the close friends group, it's a picture of like him and his wife just kissing. And I'm just like, it wasn't even like a makeout session. It was just like, you know, a kiss and like a beautiful background. But for some people that is just like too, too much. So everyone has like their own sort of thing. For me, yo, it's a completely different, like, well, I don't have close friends, but I sometimes think about, you know, like not only are my coworkers following me, but I have clients that are following me. Mm. And, I, and I sometimes think about like, you damn, need a if, Insta. I, if I post your word, if I post this video, are they aligned with my political views, my social views? Are they aligned with um, any of those things? And like, I just post it at this point, but I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel super uncomfortable most of the time. Um, I think that's the issue though with like, I say intimate, but I don't mean that in like a romantic way. I think that just some things are just more personal. And I think that the pieces that you give of yourself, I don't think you're going to give the same amount of yourself to everyone and you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are some parts of you that should be sacred to like either your significant other or to your close friends circle or to your family. Um, and so there are levels to this shit. And I don't think that there is a problem with you showing up in different ways with different people. Um, I have always felt like, does that mean that I haven't figured out who I am? Um, and I actually, in having this conversation with you, I don't think that's the case. I just think that who I am is so much. Yeah. (laughs) It's so many things. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally fair. I mean, I think the, the, the beautiful part about your story is that, you know, you started at this point where um, at a very early age, you, you saw that you were sort of like having all these personalities and, and not being your authentic self. And I think you've been like unlayering some of those some of those um, parts that you were hiding to different people, the more comfortable that you got. And for people, it's not just like a it's not just like a today I'm letting it all out. You know what I mean? Like when I'm listening to your story, it sounds like, you know, it's a continuous journey. And like I still fake it all the time. You know, there there are times where like people ask me what I did this weekend, and like early on, I was like, what I really did was like, yo, I, I was like editing podcast video all weekend, but I didn't want people to be like, oh, Pavel, haha, he's working on that Latino thing, you know. So like sometimes I just be like, I didn't do anything, I just did Netflix. So I, I have to build up the courage to, or like I want to build up the courage. I don't have to. My therapist would make fun of me if I said that. Um, I want to build up the courage to, to say some of those things, but it's a continuous journey. Like we're all going through it. We're all learning. Um, 
last question. To understand, I'm sorry. Oh no, no, go for it. Go for it. I think that we need to understand like who our authentic self is, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that brings me back to like the initial point that I was trying to drive that like who you think you are may be who you have been conditioned to be. And so before you really try to figure out what you want to present to the world, you need to be introspective. And part of that is therapy. Part of that is going through everything that you've been through from the start until now and understanding how that's shaped you and how that has caused you to hide in certain aspects and how you can really bring that essence back out. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, And last question, you may have answered this already, but just checking to see if anything else comes up. What is one thing um, for you that as you continue to to move forward, that really just empowers and inspires you to bring your essence, as you called it, or just your authentic self, you know, wherever you are? I think, uh, you know how we talk about like old people and like when you get to a certain age, you just don't give a fuck. Like you just say whatever. And like, it's almost like you're going back full circle to your toddler days where you just kind of like blurted out stuff without thinking. Um, I think that you are your most authentic self when you're a toddler and when you're like an old man. And it's getting to that point of like taking what people say, saying noted, thinking about like, don't don't close yourself off to criticism, right? Like I think that we all have room for growth. And if people wanna tell us about ourselves, it, it may be helpful to listen, to take in that perspective, but then always come back to who, who am I at the end of the day? Who am I when I go to sleep at night? What are the things that matter to me? What makes me tick? And what kind of work do I need to do internally to make sure that that person is always showing up and not the trauma and not, you know, the negative experiences or the the things that have been said to you that that you ended up believing. You got to kind of filter through that noise, I think. And that's how you get to you.